So good morning listeners and welcome to Common Sea Inspirations being produced here in our Common Sea studio here in Ada. And this is the 26th of April, it's the third Sunday of Easter. And help me as usual, guiding me, helping me to present the programme this morning, Shane Ambrose. Good morning to you, Shane. Good morning, John. I love the way you said guide me, so that's definitely a case of blind leading <laughs> Yes, blind. you got it. That's all right. We're going well this morning. <laughs> anyway, thanks a lot, Shane, for, for joining me this morning. And of course, as usual, myself and Shane want to especially welcome those listeners, and we know you're out there, who are housebound, who are lonely or struggling in some way today. Our listeners who support us each week in prayer, thank you so much. And without you guys, we couldn't do it, believe you me. Thank you so much indeed for joining us. Our programme, as usual, uh, as you know at this stage, is broadcast in sacred space at West Limit 102 at 10am and 11pm. I'll come back to that now in a second, each Sunday. And is available for playback and download and come and see inspirations at buzzsprout.com and also on Spotify and iTunes. Uh, if you want to contact us at all during the week, anytime at all, 87 6088667 is our text at 087-6088667 or email sacredspace102 at gmail.com. So in regard to the 10 a.m. slot each Sunday morning, we are broadcasting Mass live from Abbey Field Parish here in West Limerick. Um, Father Tony Mullins has very kindly changed the 9.15 Mass to 10 a.m. to accommodate us. So that's broadcast um, at 10 a.m. each Sunday morning. Our normal programme goes out as usual. 11pm on Sunday night. And we're also delighted to uh, let people know that we have the Rose have been broadcast here on, on West Limit 102 local radio at uh, after the 1pm news each weekday. So that's after the 1pm news each weekday. The Rose by Dana and Father Kevin Scannon. Again, 10am Mass from Abbeyfield Parish. Um, it, it's Sunday and our normal programme goes out at 11pm on Sunday night. Again, just to remind you about our text, 087-6088-667 or sacredspace102 at gmail.com. Thanks, Shane. You got some science or some news in terms of what's happening? Yeah, so Celestial Guide's point of view. So, folks, uh, today we're entering into the third week of Easter. And I always like to remind people, of course, you kept your Easter fast. You did your 40 days. Now, don't forget, you're also entitled to celebrate for 50 days. Right, because it's 50 days from Easter Sunday to Pentecost. Now, unfortunately, my mother has never quite followed that line of logic in terms of you're entitled to 50 days of Easter. <laughs> um, but anyway, I live in hope. Um, so for those of us praying the Psalter, we're on week three. And for anyone that would be interested in learning or joining those that pray the Liturgy of the Hours of the Divine Office, uh, we always recommend the website Universalis uh, as, as they give it for each day and it's literally, you just, you read it on the screen, you don't have to worry about flicking back and forth and commons and all the rest of it. The only thing you have to do when you go on the website is make sure that you pick the calendar for Ireland. That's the only thing that you have to do. So, in terms of the celestial guides for this week it's hard to believe john we're almost at the end of the month of april so hmm. monday is the 27th it's the feast day of saint Asicus, and he is a saint on the irish calendar very much associated with uh elfin and is the patron saint of diocese of elfin elfin's one of those funny dioceses it kind of runs up to the middle of the midlands it kind of goes from sligo all the way down to athlone um he was regarded as being St. Patrick's craftsman in metalwork and accompanies him on his journeys. And um, and he's said to have been left in charge of the Diocese of Elfin by Patrick himself. So that's 
that's the saint we have. It's a feast day, obviously, in the Diocese of Elphin on Monday the 27th. On Tuesday the 28th, we have this feast day of a very famous Marian saint, and that is the Saint Louis-Marie de Montfort, a priest, French priest, died in 1716, and very much associated initially with preaching the missions and care of the sick and the poor, uh, but obviously very much associated with the consecration to Mary and the preaching and dedication to the rosary. Uh, that's very much what he would be associated with uh, in, in, current, in current time. So his feast day is on the 28th. Then on Wednesday the 29th, we have the feast day of St. Catherine of Siena, one of the big ones. Just to remind people, Catherine, she is a Dominican saint. She is also one of the patron saints of Europe. Uh, she's up there with Edith Stein, St. Bridget of Sweden, and our own St. Columbanus and St. Benedict. And there is another male one whose name escapes me at this moment in time. I'll think of it in a minute. Catherine, of course, very much associated with the city of Siena in Italy. Humble and dauntless Dominican tertiary is how she's described. Not sure about the humble bit. This is a woman who, walked, who went all the way to Avignon, the south of France, where the popes were in exile and ordered the pope to return to Rome. Not exactly, not exactly someone who you describe as being overly humble. humble. Yeah. You know, um, she very much she she corresponded with crowned heads of Europe and the popes. She was a mystic, a reformer of religious life, and she was proclaimed also a doctor of the church in 1970. Uh, not this week now, John, but remind me, maybe the next week we might come back to what is a doctor of the church. Uh, because they're actually um, the Word on Fire Institute, which is run by uh, Bishop Robert Barron uh, in the U.S., uh, Bishop Barron has a great devotion to Catherine of Siena, and they're recently after publishing a new book about her, which was written by Paul Murray, the Dominican. Um, so uh, they, there was there was a great uh, video about her life on the Word on Fire uh, website, if anyone has time to look at it over the next couple of days. Then uh, on Thursday, we have the feast day of St. Pius V. Uh, oddly enough, again, he's a Dominican. He was elected Pope in 1565, and his Pius, Pius V is very much associated with the implementation of the reforms from the Council of Trent, uh, including the breviary, the publication of the breviary, the missal, and the catechism. Um, also very much associated with the fight against the invasions from the east, from the Totem, uh, Ottoman Turks, and famously, of course, with the famous Battle of Lepanto, uh, during his reign as Pope as well. Um, I'm not sure if it's this particular Dominican Pope, but I think it might be. I, um, the reason the Pope wears white, uh, by tradition, actually, the color of the papal color was actually red, red for martyrdom, for martyrdom of St. Paul, Peter. But Pius V, I think, is the Dominican who was elected Pope and continued to wear his white Dominican habits. And I think from there, the tradition is that's where the color, the white color of the Pope has so uh, it, was, it was definitely one of the Dominican popes, and I think it was him, but I'll double-check that for next week. Then, of course, Friday, next week, 1st of May. 1st of May. So that means, okay, just a reminder, Thursday is May Eve. So for those of you that have the holy water, to walk the bounds and to, and to spread it, for those that keep up that tradition. So Friday is the 1st of May. That means it's also the first Friday. May, of course, is the month dedicated to Our Lady. Um, and, and, and of course, the, the tradition of putting up the May altar. Uh, from a feast day point of view, of course, it is also the feast day of St. Joseph the Worker, a feast day instituted, as far as I know, in the mid-1950s by Pius XII. And, of course, the idea of 
St. Joseph as a model of a worker. I, in contrast, I, in terms of the um, May Day, of course, also happens to fall on the 1st of May. And for many years, of course, as we know, it was a big date for celebration in communist Russia. So as an alternative to the workers of the communists rising up and throwing off the shackles of everyone else, we have the example of St. Joseph the Worker uh, given to us uh, by the church as a model to, to reflect and pray and follow. Finally, then, on Saturday, the 2nd of May, we have the feast day of St. Athanasius, Bishop and Doctor of the Church, one of the earliest doctors of the Church, very much associated with the city of Alexandria around two, in a 295, and it's very much associated with defending the faith against the heresy of Arianism, which, de which denied the divinity of Christ. Um, and he's, he's, he's very, very famous saint from the point of view of the Church Fathers. And obviously, of course, as Saturday is the 2nd of May, it's the first Saturday of the month. For so those that are maintaining the first Saturday devotions, that will also be next week. Shay, thank you so much for that. Before we play our first bit of music again, this is Spirit of Communion Prayer that we always pray on this program every week. And, of course, the best way to receive Jesus is at Holy Mass, Holy Communion at Mass. Yet for those times you can't make Mass, you can still reach out to him by making a Spirit of Communion prayer. So this is the Spirit of Communion prayer that we always pray on the program. Jesus, my Jesus, I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot now receive you sacramentally, come spiritually into my soul. I embrace you as already there. I unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen. So now we'll go for our first bit of music. Um, this one is entitled, He is Lord. And it, it's a beautiful one. It's, a, it's, a, it's one that we always uh, sing and pray after the consecration of Mass every morning. But I think it's a beautiful one, sung by some children, by a, a lovely group of children. He is Lord. So join us again in part two, where we'll, invite, where we'll chat with our special guest this morning, Father Eamon Conway. So welcome back again to the second part of Come and See Inspirations. My name is John Keeley, still joined by Shane Ambrose on the other end of the Skype line. And it's a delight for us to welcome back again onto the programme um, just a few weeks ago, actually, we were, we were speaking with him, Father Eamon Conway. Good morning to you, Father Eamon. How are you? Good morning, John. Good morning, Shane. 
Thanks Good a lot. Thanks a lot for joining us again, Father Father Raymond. In this day and age where we are going through this um, this crisis of COVID nineteen and difficulties that people have and so on and so forth, I asked Father Amy maybe if, if he might be able to just share a few thoughts that he might have around the subject with us. There's all sorts of thoughts thoughts that people have been asked. They've been asked about is it God's punishment? Why did it happen? Where are we going to come out of all of this and so on and so forth? Father um, Amy's going to try and sh- uh, and share some thoughts with us that might be able to clarify some of those issues for us. But Father Eamon, I believe you, you you wrote an article for the Irish Catholic anyway recently, so maybe you can start by sharing some of that with us, please. Yeah, well, I suppose the background to all of this is that um, they, they around the beginning of March, uh, I was actually to go to Rome. I was to teach at the Gregorian University and attend a conference, and I was also going to, actually, we were going to meet the Holy Father on, on the Saturday. So obviously I was very much looking forward to all of that. But increasingly as the word came out, particularly from the north of Italy, I realised things were, were getting sticky and around the 7th or 8th of March anyway, the conference was cancelled. And then I had effectively, I live here at home with my dad, who's 93 years of age, and had to make a difficult decision that really, uh, you know, I had to begin to make plans to protect him. And so since the 9th of March, myself, my dad and his carer, we've effectively been cocooned here uh, at my home. Uh, we're very fortunate in having the support of so many people, but I actually haven't been in a shop since then. Uh, medicines and groceries are, are delivered. So it's a really strange kind of uh, almost quasi-monastic experience, which I have to admit to a large extent I'm enjoying. And, and I'm capable of doing that because we've got just such wonderful support and, and care from neighbours and friends uh, as well. And, you know, I'm so blessed to have my dad with me at a time when so many people are not able to see their elderly loved ones uh, as well. But having somebody of that age and, you know, my dad at 93, his health is is delicate, has brought me right into the heart of, of, of the vulnerability of this time. I think a lot of people, at least in the early stages, consider themselves uh, a little invulnerable or invincible, particularly younger folk. And, um, of course, now we realize that's not necessarily the case at all. But I think for a lot of people, that was the way uh, that they saw themselves. But I was right in touch with that sense of vulnerability from the beginning. And it brought me back to, I suppose, the time in my life when I most felt vulnerable um, up until this, uh, which was back in 2009, when I was diagnosed with uh, a, a, a tumor in my eye, a most unusual and rare but nasty form of cancer uh, called ocular melanoma. Now, at the time, the prognosis was that this was quite likely to recur. And thank God, I've been so blessed that it hasn't. But I suppose I went through a period of of the usual kinds of questions, which maybe have come up now for a lot of people as they face this crisis, like why me or why us? Uh, and a sense of, you know, a sort of sense of, of, of annoyance and anger and, and self-pity. As somebody said, we go through all the emotions, really, that people tend to go through at times of grief you know, and, and sense of loss. Uh, and then eventually, maybe hopefully reach a stage of being at peace with it. But by disposition anyway, I suppose I'm the kind of person who likes to say, well, what's, is, is there an opportunity in this, in this awful crisis? And I think we're finding that there are opportunities. For example, the other day, I, I saw a tweet from a father who said that normally as a family, I have the kids out at GA matches Uh, four nights a week. And until now, we thought that was the best thing in the world. But now we're at home as a family together every evening for dinner. And the kids are much calmer and and more reflective 
And there's really some powerful good coming out of this. It's something we're going to have to take on board into the future. And I think we've spent today, be you know, today and all these days around now, we're hearing maybe nature in a way we haven't heard before. We see the the signs of of greater clarity in our skies. I know of a place I've been to in India. I've never been there where there hasn't been smog. And I just heard yesterday that for the first time in in decades, the smog has lifted. So there's some, you know, something strange going on in a kind of a way. I think the Holy Father, I think Pope Francis touched very powerfully into this uh, when he said this is a time to ask ourselves about what really matters to us, uh, what matters most. And I suppose at moments of crisis, as indeed for myself 10 years ago now, 11 years ago, uh, when I was struck by cancer, I had to ask myself, well, what really matters most? And it led to a period for me of a of a, a deepening of my faith in the sense that my faith became much more practical and, and realistic. And what I mean by that is my faith had to speak to my daily life. It couldn't be just some sort of ideal. Uh, it had to be something that really uh, nurtured me and, and uh, I suppose, helped me to make sense of my daily life in a new and and kind of powerful way, you know. And I, 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 that was a gift that came for me out of that awful moment, you know. So I suppose what I've been trying to do is encourage people uh, to look for the gift in this crisis, in this awful moment. And I know that can be easier for some than for others, uh, either by virtue of disposition um, or by virtue of the, their circumstances. Uh, but I suppose that's really where maybe as a community, uh, even though separate uh, physically, um, we can help and support each other uh, emotionally and spiritually uh, to see the gift in this particular moment. And I believe that that this is a moment of gift and that God can speak to us in this. But I suppose that will only happen if we really believe that God, our lives are in God's hands. And it's really, I suppose, at moments of fragility that we realize how important that insight actually is. A lot of the time we try to be our own God to ourselves. And I think we only turn to God in prayer when everything else fails. I can put it this way. God is usually plan B. Plan A is I get on with my own life. And, uh, you know, if all else fails, I, 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 I bang off an urgent prayer of rescue to God. You know, it's like the student who hasn't studied all year and then suddenly gets very devout uh, coming up to the exams, you know. And I suppose really the good news of Easter, which we've just celebrated, is that God has already rescued us. God has already actually uh, saved us. Uh, the only question is, is what we're going to do about it, whether we're actually going to live out of it ourselves or continue to try to be our own gods in our own universe. Um, so really one of the, I think one of the insights or the key um the key challenges we face at the moment is to accept the reality. And the reality is uh, that, to use a phrase of C.S. Lewis, life is always lived. Human life is always lived on a precipice, he says. Um, but it's just at moments of crisis like this that we realize it. So the challenge is to, to realize and accept that, to absolutely dismiss the myth of autonomy. We hear so much nowadays about our lives being autonomous and we strive for autonomy and 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 uh, autonomy, bodily autonomy and every other kind of autonomy. And that's rubbish. 
all sorts of people now are recognizing what Pope Francis has been preaching to us as a constant theme, that all of creation is interdependent, that we all depend on one another. Uh, and we depend, even interspecies, we depend on one another. And to find the humility to accept our dependency, which I think is really one of the uh, invitations of this moment. Um, and to, to really then also the humility to accept God's rescuing of us. So they're kind of some of my thoughts just at this point in time. Thanks, Father. I mean, there, there was there was just a few points that I picked up to when when you sent me on that um, that you know that particular article. One of them addressed uh, the question that is on quite a few people's minds: this claim that it's God's punishment. We've been naughty boys. What would you say yeah. to that, Father? Emma? Well, I suppose look at this is we find that's an ordinary, very understandable, if you like, human response i suppose part of it is we'd like to have somebody to blame you know um we'd like to have somebody that we could point the finger at for responsibility be that god or be that ourselves if we could say well we're being punished because we did something awful wrong so that is not the god of jesus christ that's the first thing i would say the god of jesus christ is not a punishing god it took the people of the of the bible the hebrews some time to work that out but God's last word to humanity is a word of love. That's God's last word to humanity is Jesus, the word of God. And in the face of the worst thing that we human beings can do to God, we, we crucified his son. It's not retribution, it's not revenge that greets us, it's actually resurrection. God gives Jesus back to us. So God cannot not love us, but in that love, Love is only possible where there's freedom, and where there's freedom, there's responsibility. We're the only creatures who enjoy freedom and with it responsibility. And I suppose we talk about, what we, in, in theology, we talk about natural evil and what we call moral evil. Moral evil being evil for which we, as humans, we make certain decisions that results in 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 horror and in, 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 in evil. And then natural evil is that woven into the fabric of the universe, if you like, it is it is creation which is at one level removed from God. There are, if you like, flaws, there are there are limitations in nature. And so I think that's makes some sense. But nowadays we don't see that distinction all that clearly. And yes, it may well be that we human beings to some extent, have brought this upon ourselves by the way we live our lives. Particularly those of us in the West have been living very unsustainable lives lives for the universe. I remember many, many years ago, John Moriarty, the mystic storyteller, um, John said that we human beings are to the planet what AIDS is to the body. AIDS being the big plague of his time, if you like. And so the, I think we have to reckon with that. And we've seen all sorts of people reflect on this um, including Pope Francis, in fact, you know, who in his famous Orbi at Orbi now, shortly after the outbreak of, of the coronavirus to the empty square of St. Peter's, he did say, look, did we think that we could do all the things we we're doing to the planet? And eventually, that somehow we ourselves would not become sick, you know? So I think we do have to reckon with, with this. But to think of it in terms of God punishing us, no. Uh, I, and it, it, I think Pope Francis actually used this phrase, he said, this is not God's judgment on us, but our judgment upon ourselves. And I think there is some truth in that. But again, I would bring come back to resist the temptation to look for somebody to blame and look at what can we learn from this 
how can we change our lives as a result of this to live more fully as human beings um, and resist the temptation to put energy into looking for someone to blame, be it God or ourselves. And just following on from that, you, you, you do mention that Pope Francis said this is a time of choosing. Would you like to say, to say anything about that? I mean, yeah, a- yeah, so that's, I suppose that's, look at, you know, uh, if you read Victor Frankl's uh, Man's Search for Meaning, I mean, there are a lot of books nowadays that we're recalling, classics, if you like, that have wisdom in them that we need to draw upon at this time. And I suppose really there's a lot of freedom that has been removed from us at the moment, a lot of constraints uh, that we are having to live with and deal with. But the people who will be happiest, I think, will be those who will find some level of freedom within those constraints and exercise that freedom wisely. And I think that's what Pope Francis is saying to us, to choose now how we, we can't choose, if you like, the circumstance in which we have to live, but we can choose how we're going to respond to those circumstances. And he's also saying to choose what truly matters, what really matters. So I would suggest to our listeners um, this morning to look at what have been the good moments that have emerged in this for you. I would be very surprised if some people would say that they haven't experienced, maybe in an unexpected way, some level of goodness or love or joy uh, in themselves or in others. And maybe to look at what might get in the way of that in our old lives, uh, that we could perhaps look at limiting or, or, uh, or setting aside. I mean, how we use our time, uh, what maybe has come back into our lives that we'd lost sight of before this. Um, the time may be more time for reflection. Uh, now, of course, look at, I, I realize I've had a very, if you like, rarefied experience. I'm not, I don't have three or four kids running around the house here screaming, uh, you know, every day of the week, um, trying to get them to settle down, trying to get them to do some work. Maybe young people are anxious about exams, uh, parents who are anxious about employment and all of that. I know there are many, many uh, threats out there. But insofar as there's been something good that has emerged, maybe this is a chance to choose how that can that can be nurtured into the future. And I like, all, um, as well as that, you also mentioned um, the second point, uh, point that uh, Paul Francis mentions there is we can make is to recognise that whether we like it or not, our lives are going to be lived as a kind of a high-wire act. What do you mean by that, a high-wire act? Yeah, I suppose I, I, I took that image um, when, when I was diagnosed with uh, eye cancer. Uh, the surgeon, um, I had to go over to Liverpool, actually, for treatment at the time. It's, it's now uh, available in Ireland, but I had to travel to Liverpool. And the surgeon when he was giving me the prognosis, uh, you know, I was a bit shocked. I wasn't, I wasn't expecting to hear that this was such a dangerous form of cancer. And he said, look, from now on, imagine your life is like one of those firemen who have to climb these high-scale ladders. And they do it on a daily basis, knowing that their lives are at risk, but they get on with it. And he said, your life from now on is going to be a bit like that, a high-wire act. You know, eventually you'll get used to living with the risk and living with the danger. And he was right. I mean, it took a couple of years. And, uh, you know, every time, uh, and I'm sure anybody else who has suffered from cancer will identify with this, every time I had a, a, a test coming up, uh, a che- you know, I used to go up to Galway, to Dublin um, on, a, uh, on a Monday, say, I'd have my tests at 10, 11 in the morning. And then I'd be waiting to see uh, the oncologist at six or seven in the evening. And they were, that was a long day, you know. 
And I suppose, but that was concentrated uh, experience of what I had for a long time to get used to was the fact that at any particular moment, and please God, it won't happen, but this could recur, you know. And um, But in fact, all that is doing is sharpening the human condition, that we are living on the edge of a precipice, you know. And uh, that's the, the, the situation we now find ourselves in, the vulnerability and fragility, are actually constants of, of human life. Um, and I think we just cushion that so often that we um, we fool ourselves into thinking somehow that we're uh, invincible, invulnerable, uh, and we lose the touch with something essential in our humanity, which is our need of God, which is our dependency upon God. We cannot save ourselves. Just two more things. Um, you mentioned there about being involved with Catholic education yourself. And you say, you said you'd, you'd like to see more done to provide students with maybe a way of helping them to accompany them on exploring, exploring the deeper questions of life. I'll say a bit about that. Yeah, I suppose, to be honest, I'm getting uh, um, more and more impatient with how we, we in Catholic education at all levels, I think, I have to suppose be careful here not to hurt anyone's feelings, but I think we collude with a curriculum that somehow avoids these deeper issues and these deeper questions. Any institution worthy of its name as Catholic should, should propose Christian faith as the deepest possible answer to the most profound of human questions. Not impose, can never be an imposition, but propose it. And I'm not sure or satisfied that many of our Catholic schools and colleges are actually doing that. And if ever that was needed, it's needed now. And I, 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 uh, I have a lot of respect for those who do things like well-being and mindfulness and resilience training and so on. But actually, if you look at the operative philosophy of that, for the most part, it really is trying to build people up to be strong in themselves to adapt the words of the song, to search for the hero inside themselves. And that, to be honest, is the direct opposite of the Christian understanding. Our strength is in our weakness. Our strength is in realizing that we are not strong and that we cannot actually be strong within ourselves, uh, that we actually are strong to the extent that we actually let go and depend upon the risen Lord, who has already given self, his self to us totally uh, and been given back to us in the resurrection. Uh, so, you know, that's what I suppose really I, I am saying to myself, This, if Pope Francis is saying to us to choose what matters most, I would love to see our leaders in Catholic education at all levels, to be honest, putting it a little bit bluntly, getting our act together here and saying, are we really doing our job in Catholic schools to present Christ as the most profound answer to the human question, to propose that as a viable and attractive and meaningful uh, and credible option uh, in our Catholic schools. As I say, propose, not impose. But if we're not doing that, what's the point in, in calling ourselves a Catholic institution? So I suppose just to bring this reflection to a conclusion in regard to what we're going through again in terms of the, the, this COVID-19 experience that we maybe haven't had the occasion to experience in our lives before, the restrictions, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. As you say, again, the opportunities within that. 
what thoughts would you like to leave with our listeners there this morning, Father Eamon? You know, just to give them a little bit of encouragement to continue on, especially in terms of faith. Yeah, I would say, to be quite honest with you, I have, I have found this as a wonderful opportunity to deepen my personal prayer. That's the honest truth. I heard a bishop a few uh, years ago uh, jokingly say that a priest had said to him, that things have got so bad that I've actually started praying again. (laughs) (laughs) And I think uh, I would suggest try it, you know, try it. Uh, Try try personal prayer and maybe try family prayer. Uh, Maybe even some of the prayers that we learned when we were younger, there's nothing wrong with going back to those. Or maybe taking a piece of scripture. Um, there's a cartoon doing the rounds of the devil uh, saying to Jesus, um, he see, I've managed to close every church in the world. And Jesus saying, ha, you think you have? No, every home has become a church. And, uh, you know, I think there's a real sense now, and maybe in many ways as priests, we haven't done enough to empower lay people to lead prayer and to be, you know, um, leaders of prayer in their own homes. But look, at that's where we're at. Um, there's lots of good resources out there now on the internet, uh, on websites nationally and internationally. And I would really encourage parents just, you know, it's interesting again, and we're realizing, I suppose, and I've heard a lot and I agree completely about the importance of teachers, but from a Catholic faith perspective, the parents are the primary educators of their children, always were and always will be. And while attending to other aspects of the curriculum, uh, what's important to you as parents for your children to know and learn? And surely it's to grow in the relationship with the Lord uh, for for Catholic and Christian parents as well. So I suppose that's what I'd leave people with. Um, to empower oneself, empower yourselves to 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 be um, a prayerful community within your home, within the people you're cocooned with, if that's how you are at the moment, and look for the opportunities in this crisis. Father Eamon Connor, thank you very much indeed for, for joining us and taking time uh, to, to share those beautiful thoughts with us this morning. You might stay with us for for our following part, Father, where we read and reflect on the Word of God, please. Yeah. In the meantime, we'll go for our second piece of music. It's entitled, Because He Lives, I Can Face Tomorrow. So join us again in part two, where we read and reflect on the Word of God.
So welcome back again to the third part of Coming to Inspirations. My name is John Keeley, still joined by Shane Ambrose and Father Eamon Conway and the owner of the Skyline. Most important part of any programme is where we read and reflect on the Word of God. And before that, there's a prayer, but we always pray before reading and reflecting on Scripture. Shane, you might pray that for us, please, this morning. Lord, we thank you for putting us in the presence of your Word, which you inspired in your prophets. May we approach this Word reverently, attentively, and humbly. May we not despise this Word, but receive all it has to say to us. We know that our hearts are closed, often incapable of comprehending the simplicity of your Word. Send your spirit to us so that receiving the word in truth and simplicity, our lives may be transformed by it. Let us not be resistant, Lord. May your word penetrate us like a two-edged sword. May our hearts be open to it. Let not our eyes be closed and our minds wander, but may we give ourselves entirely to this listening. We ask this, Father, in union with in union with Mary, who used to recite the Psalms through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. Thank you for that, Shane. So the Gospel for this week, the third Sunday, as I said, of Easter, is taken from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 24, verse 13 to 35. And as Father Frank Duick always reminds us at Lectio Divina, this is a Gospel we've probably heard a lot of times before, but it's important we listen to every word that's been proclaimed. So the, the Gospel according to Luke. Two of the disciples of Jesus were on their way to the, a village called Emmaus, seven miles from Jerusalem, and they were talking together about all that had happened. Now, as they talked this over, Jesus came up and walked by their side. But something prevented them from recognising him. And he said, what matters are you discussing as you walk along? So they stopped short, their faces downcast. Then one of them, called Cleopas, answered him, You must be the only person staying in Jerusalem who does not know the things that have been happening there these last few days. What things? he asked. All about Jesus of Nazareth, they answered, and who proved he was a great prophet by the things he said and did in the sight of God and of the whole people, and how our chief priests and our leaders handed him over to be sentenced to death and had him crucified. Our own hope had been that he would be the one to set Israel free. And this is not all. Two whole days have gone by since this all happened, and some women from our group have astounded us. They went to the tomb in the early morning, and when they did not find the body, they came back to tell us that they'd seen a vision of angels who declared he was alive. Some of our friends went to the tomb and found everything exactly as the women had reported. But of him they saw nothing. Then he said to them, You foolish men, so slow to believe the full message of the prophets. Was it not ordained that Christ should suffer and so enter into his glory? Then started with Moses and going through all the prophets, he explained to them the passages throughout the scriptures that were about himself. When they drew near to the village to which they were going, he made as if to go on. But they pressed him to stay with them. It's nearly evening, they said, and the day almost over. So he went in to stay with them. Now while he was with them at table, he took the bread and said the blessing. Then he broke it and handed it to them. And their eyes were opened, and they recognised him. But he had vanished from their sight. Then they said to each other, Did not our hearts burn within us as as he talked to us on the road and explained the scriptures to us? They set out that instant and returned to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven assembled together with their companions, who said to them, Yes, it's true. The Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Then they told their story about what had happened on the road and how they had recognised him at the breaking of bread. 
This is the Gospel for today, the third Sunday of the Gospel of Luke. Father Eamon, got a few thoughts you might share with us, please? Yeah, this is one of my, uh, I suppose, one of my favourite Gospel passages, as I'm sure it is uh, for, for many people. And we can engage in it in a number of different ways. The line that jumps off the page at me today is our own hopes had been, our own hope had been. And one can imagine without too much difficulty, the disciples utter a sense of, of disappointment and, and, and dismay and fear and indeed terror. I mean, they were fleeing Jerusalem. What they had staked their lives on had collapsed. Um, not only perhaps their their sense of, of loss at the death of Jesus, their friend, maybe their hero, but also in a way they had they had all sorts of dreams of the reign of God coming, the kingdom of God coming, and believed they understood how that would happen. And this had all now just disappeared in a disaster. Jesus crucified as a criminal outside the gates of, of Jerusalem. So their faces downcast, they are walking away from it all. Uh, you know, we talk about fight or flight when we meet uh, difficulties and trouble. So they were in flight. And they, the stranger, as they thought, came up and they just pour out their hearts to him. And the unrecognized Jesus listens and walks with them. He doesn't make them stop. He doesn't make them change direction. But he literally engages in the first act of companionship, which is walking with or journeying with. And then later, he will actually literally be a companion, which literally means to break bread. And that's the moment that they will recognize him. And I suppose I'm thinking this morning of how many people, your listeners, um, maybe ourselves at some level, can also say today our own hope had been. Our own hope had been that the job I have was a job for life. Our own hope had been that our kids were going to, you know, get a good leaving cert. Our own hope had been that we would be with our loved ones every day while they're in the nursing home, able to visit them. Our own hope had been, and so on and so on and so on. And I suppose it's an invitation to us to, just like the two disciples today, to pour out our hearts in prayer, um, in anguish, in anger perhaps even, as we find so often in the words of the Psalms, to speak our, our minds and hearts to the Lord and then listen and invite the Lord to, to reinterpret for us what's going on in our lives, because that's what Jesus does. He, 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 he helps them to see that the kingdom of God is coming in their lives, perhaps not as they had hoped, not as they'd wished, not as they'd expected, but maybe even in a much more powerful way, despite the apparent absence of any sign of hope or any sign of confidence to trust that the Lord knows what he is about and that the Lord can be relied upon at this time of, of darkness, this time of, of confusion and pain and sense of loss. So I think it's a wonderful gospel story uh, for the moment in which we find ourselves and to, to, re to really bring ourselves to trust in the, if I can say it, in the community of the church, in the tradition of the church, 
Because what we have here in this gospel, in a sense, is word and Eucharist, um, bringing, bringing our concerns and our fears and our anxieties to the word of God, and then also to the table. And I know at the moment that can't be done physically. We can't uh, gather around the table of the Lord. But even uh, in whatever way we do join on Eucharist uh, this morning, Sunday morning, or any other day of the week, um, maybe to join in our local parish online, uh, to join with the Holy Father who celebrates Mass every day. One of the places you might look to be nourished, I've enjoyed uh, and benefited from, is the the community of Taizé in France. They're online uh, every evening, I think at 8.30 p.m. Uh, for evening prayer. And I've had a great sense of, of prayerfulness in joining with them uh, some evenings over the past while. But to, to bring our concerns and our anxieties to the wider church community, because the voice of prayer is that lovely hymn says, the voice of prayer is never silent, nor dies the strain of praise away. Uh, we can be part, even though we're separate at the moment physically, we can be very much part of the solidarity of prayer. It's not just uh, a virus that is contagious, but prayer is contagious as well. And this prayerful support uh, can be contagious as well. And we can draw that down upon us and, and, and live from that at this moment in time as well. Father Eamon, thanks for that. Shane, any thoughts? Yeah, I suppose, John, I'm trying not to, 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 to repeat, I suppose, a lot of the same similar thoughts um, that, Father, that Father Eamon had put out there kind of had, had struck me over the, the last couple of days. And I suppose we often refer to this story as the, the road to Emmaus and um the encounter the encounter on the way and it it's it's always an interesting one you know uh, they were the uh, the two lads they were they were they were running away from Jerusalem as father Eamon said and it's it's they were you know it's interesting times of where where is our emos where is the emos that we go to the the place of lost hope the place of shattered dreams you know the place of 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 having a he- of where we have a heavy heart where is it that you know where where do we retreat to um when we we're feeling tired and broken up by tragedies and the disappointments of life um you know it's it it for many people it doesn't necessarily have to be a, a physical place of course it it could just be you know a, where that absence of joy in our lives um that lost sense of um, meaning and maybe loneliness, especially I suppose as 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 we face into the times that we are there at the moment. And I suppose for me, the the line that jumped out was the their hearts did not our hearts burn within us. And it's finding those finding what it is that gives us joy in our life in such a way that our hearts will burn within us. I was I was I was thinking during the reflection there in in part two and and Father Eamon referenced C.S. Lewis and one of C.S. Lewis's contemporaries in in at, at the time was J was Tolkien the guy that wrote Lord of the Rings and there's a famous quote which which is going around on Facebook at the moment it's one of the quotes from that book and it's the character Frodo asks the the wizard Gandalf kind of um, you know I wish it need not have happened in my time. Is the, is the kind of what he says to him. And, and Gandalf's reply is, so do I and so do all who live to see such times. But that is not for them to decide. All we have to decide is what to do with the time that is given us. Yeah. 
And for me, that was kind of something that Imos kind of was pr- pr- prompting for me this week. Um, you know, it's the place where where is where is our where where is our road to Imos to encounter God at this moment in time? Not what we used to do, not what we will do, but where we are now, because Jesus is not. The, the God of yesterday, he's not the God of tomorrow. He, the name, the great name that came from God out of the Old Testament is I am. He is with us now at this moment in time. And that, I suppose, is for us is, is the challenge. You know, we have our own ideas, I suppose, of who he is, his message. Like we have our own ideas of what it meant to be church. And times like this, I suppose, when we are unsettled, like the, like the disciples were fleeing from Jerusalem, you know, when things are breaking down around us, um, you know, it challenges our conditioning of, of the way that we are brought up, our understanding, our life experiences. And because we sometimes can get trapped in those that kind of conditioning, like the disciples did, like their expectation was, you know, he would do a certain, be the Messiah a certain way. Um, but Calvary had knocked that on the head. And for us at this minute in time, perhaps this COVID discussion, this COVID moment that we're having can cause us to just to pause and to think and kind of demolishes, I suppose, some of the, 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 the infantile structures maybe that we had around us that we didn't realize we had, um, you know, I suppose it's, 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 it's shattering, I suppose, some of our certainties in life. It's shattering some of the things that we cling to. And that can be absolutely terrifying for many people. It can be something that will greatly unsettle many, or so many people. And it's something, I suppose, that we have to we have to be conscious of what that means for people and how they react to it. But from a faith perspective, looking at this Sunday's gospel, I suppose, is looking for the times where we can recognize the risen Lord. Um, you know, when we let go of our limited vision. Um, you know, I suppose the up there, the, he's he's there for us, and we can see him, you know, um, in, in different ways, and that so that eventually, when things go back to a normalcy or a, a way of routine, that um, we still would be like, you know, Mary Magdalene, we would still recognize God in the moments that are present for us. Um, you know, it's a moss. The, the road to Emmaus is like a place of the heart. Um, it's, 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 it's an area where it's a time when we have to be exploring the depth of our own faith. You know, he shared, he opened up the scriptures for them. And then uh, once we, uh, we have to open up to respond to that sharing. Because they, they, Jesus shared with them on the journey and then he made to go on. Um, and they invited him in. And then there were then there was the experience of the breaking of bread, and and I suppose that's the thing we hear so much about faith, we hear so much about scripture, but the question is, have we listened? Have we heard what has been said to us? Have we listened with the ear of our hearts, and have we given ourselves the opportunity to feel that joy that burns within us? Thank you for that, Shane. Just a few little thoughts. Uh, well, actually, one thought I had myself. That line, um, did not our hearts burn within us as he talked on the road and explained the scriptures to us? 
as people would know at this particular stage, um, I, I really enjoy Lecture Divina that we have here in the parish in Newcastle West every Monday night with Father Frank Dewick. And a lot of us there, there's about 20 of us there, and I'd, I'd safely say most of us come away with that sort of feeling. That is burning within us, the sort of thoughts and the sort of reflections that we're asked to take away with us. The way Father Frank does it, the same as anybody else, I assume, is he leads us to reflect how the Sunday Gospel relates to our own lives. We can be comforted and we can be challenged, maybe both. But we always come away with the understanding that God knows us and he's got a lesson that he wants to pass, he wants to pass on to us. And really that message, that last, really that last sentence of the Gospel is one that I'm sure we all would want to take away with us this week. Yes, it's true. The Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Then they told their story of what had happened on the road and they'd recognised him at the breaking of bed. It's so important that we all, as best we can, in our own way, share our own story, pass it on, do the best we can to encourage others. Gentlemen, Father, Father Eamon and Shane, thanks a lot for, for joining us this evening. Been a real pleasure. Thank Lovely you. to be with you again. Thank you very much indeed. At this stage, we might go out with our final piece of music from Mark Forrest, and this one is entitled Stir My Heart. So, to next week, uh, Shane and myself will join you again, and we've got another guest joining us. But in the meantime, God bless you all. Stay safe and have a good week. Bye bye now. So t-